six, take one. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Callum. And welcome to another episode of 1001 of Film Policy. On this week's top three episode, we'll be looking at the most iconic directorial debuts from some of the true heavyweights of filmmaking. By establishing the unique styles, these first-time films often act as a precursor for things to come. So, okay, yeah, so the first film I want to talk about... I've not done these in any order, by the way, I think they're all... Good films, really. Um, you but, have to rank them. That's the game. Uh, this no, probably is all right. <laughs> Fine. This is number three. Then, if you want to have a go at me, this is called top three. Uh, the first one I'm going to go for is a film called The Virgin Suicides. Much like Buffalo '66, which we reviewed on the Friday's episode, um, Sofia Coppola's feature debut, from a te- technical standpoint, is really aesthetically pleasing, really, and enjoyable to watch. There's a whole sort of haunting quality to it. Uh, all the way through that she she does really well. I won't ruin it, but the title is appropriate, is all I'll say. Mm. Um, but she mixes like genuine comedy with some of the most depressing, tragic imagery I've seen in any film. It just comes at you quite suddenly, really. Plus, the soundtrack is great, uh, and it's got some young actors in it, like Kirsten Dunst, Josh Hartnett, and even a young Anakin. So Hayden Christensen's in it <laughs> as, as a child. It's weird. <laughs> they also obviously went on to do great things, but I think her direction and writing... Um, is what gets the most out of them. And, but I think it's another one of those films, like I mentioned with Buffalo 66, that could easily have just be from the 70s. And I, I think I need to make a list on Letterboxd with all films that have that, really, that films made in the 90s that could be made in the 70s. But yeah. you hear like all this Nepo baby stuff, and sometimes it's true with certain people, but I do think she has a very individual approach to her filmmaking that's not really influenced by her father in many ways at all. And I, I just really like the w- types of films she makes. I can't join in this conversation too much because I've only seen the bling ring um, that she directed. Um, You've not seen Lost in Translation? No, I've not. I, I no, know I'm... I need to. I know I need to. I've sat down to watch that a couple times but ended up getting distracted or thinking, oh, I'm, I'm too tired to watch this right now. I, I need I need a day where I am going to actually focus on it. Um, I, might, I might potentially out you here. Is it, is it you that doesn't like Bill Murray? I always forget who it is. Is it you? Um, he's all right. All right. I don't know who it is. Someone doesn't like Bill Murray and I... I don't love him. Yeah. He's all right. I don't think he's funny. I think he's a good actor, but I don't think he's funny. It's very dry. Yeah. Um, I quite like uh, Groundhog Day, um, and I've seen him in quite a few Wes Anderson films. Yeah, he's good at Steve Zizou, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, like the best part of that film. And he's actually in the film I'm going to talk about in a minute, but... Whoa! Yeah, he's all right. I'm the one that doesn't like Jim Carrey or, or Will Ferrell. Or Jack Black. Or Jack Black. I, I'm coming I'm coming around a little bit more to Jim Carrey, but only as when he's not being daft. <laughs> yeah fair enough i watched we... the uh that jim and andy documentary and it came around to him a little bit more really from watching that yeah that's made a lot of people really dislike him <laughs> the way no, he was on that set not as a person but i think as an actor i think i appreciate yeah. him more after watching that i've heard of sophia coppola yeah she's been she, she did a bit of acting didn't she was she in godfather part three yeah and she's been probably the most slated person that was in that people really like sort of go hard on her for her acting yeah. in that film but i've not seen uh, it so i don't know what it's like I, really. yeah i've seen it. i remember her and because i think she plays um uh, the daughter yeah um and and also the, the there's the her brother in it is awful as well i think i can't remember who plays him but i remember thinking he, he's not very good oh um, god that film isn't good 
but it's <laughs> worth watching purely because Al Pacino is still brilliant in it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I do want to watch. I do want to watch it at some point. I'm going to do all three. What one? Like when I've got a week off, maybe. We definitely. We will do the Godfather on this on this podcast one day. But yeah, no, that's, that's fine. So yeah, that's your first pick. Um, yeah, Virgin Suicide. Highly recommend. Very good. I do need, yeah, I do need to watch that. Um, I definitely will. Right, then my number three is Zombieland by is it Ruben Fleischer? I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Well, that's come. I'm going to say it. So, um, I was originally going to start off with with a light-hearted one, just just to ease us in. But when I actually looked into Ruben Fleischer a little bit, I realised that I've seen every single one of his films. Have you? What else has he done? So, Zombieland, Thirty Minutes or Less, Gangster Squad, Venom, um, Zombieland Two, and Uncharted. I've seen them all. Um, he also was the executive producer on The Mule, which I've seen, um, but I haven't seen. Venom, let it be carnage. So anyway, I'll go. I'll go into it because I, I think he started off strong with Zombieland. Yeah. It was both commercially and critically successful as well, uh, and I think it stands up well in the uh, the, the comedy horror genre. I'm not going to pretend that I, I'm no I'm no student of cinema. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I am. Um, but even I can see that the way the film switches between comic relief and intense sequences of survival, um, it, it ensures the audience remains captivated and invested. It was also the first time I'd really noticed the breaking down of the fourth wall in a movie. The visual elements of the the rules of survival uh, being displayed on screen. They usually get splattered in blood. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd not seen anything like that. Before really, I, I, like I'm saying, I, I don't think it was the first time it was used, but it's the first time I'd seen it. Um, yeah. So it, it by no means, like I say, it's, it's a groundbreaking movie in the in the arts of direction or anything like that at all. But it's got a lot of rewatchability, um, and I can imagine at the time of its release, there was probably a lot of a lot of buzz around Ruben Fleischer. If you based him on that film alone, I think you'd think there's there's a lot of good things to come. And I'm not saying that the films he's done are bad. Um, since then but i think this is probably the best one he did um, and i yeah. can talk i've seen them all <laughs> yeah yeah you're an expert apparently yeah even so much that they did a sequel which i didn't think was as good but it was no. still watchable wasn't it it was it, watchable yeah it was it was it yeah. wasn't it wasn't terrible no it, it was watchable but it, did, it definitely wasn't as good as i do think zombieland is one i haven't seen for a long time but i i've very much enjoyed it i remember at the time it came out i remember you you being a big fan of it as well. Yeah, I used to, there was a batch of films that came around around that time, like Kick-Ass was one, Zombieland, mm-hmm. obviously, as you mentioned, there's a, there's a few more, um, like Scott Pilgrim, films yeah. like that. They're all sort of like com- comic-y in a way, aren't they? Like the yeah. graphic novel type looking things um, with all the, the effects and stuff. But yeah, this, it seems to be the, sort of the theme at the time. But yeah, Zombieland was one of the better ones, definitely. I used to love them. Take a look, it's a goddamn hostess truck. Yeah, I see that, a hostess truck. So what? I could use a Twinkie. So yeah, my second uh, film that I'm going to talk about is another one that was very big at the time it was out and, I don't know, was culturally quite a big thing to happen, really, from what I remember. Um, and that is Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> um, so yeah, I can't think of another film that I latched onto as much as I did with this one when it came out. Maybe something like, you know, Step Brothers or something when I was young and daft but uh i had not seen anything like napoleon dynamite before watching it really and i don't think anyone really did which is i think why it became sort of world famous like you saw people dressing up as him and sit where and vote for pedro t-shirts everywhere and stuff yeah and I, I think it is a bit of a marmite film though as i can see <laughs> yeah people it definitely is not finding it funny at all but for me it, it works really well it's like my exact sense of humor really it's quite dry but also just odd characters saying and doing odd things yeah which is perfect you know i like david lynch mm-hmm. so 
that's what a lot of his humor is but it does seem to be like the sole vision of the uh the director and the writer which who are a couple called jared and darusha hess yeah which is a, a strange dynamic isn't it really i thought that yeah but they seem to it seems to be sort of jared's magnum opus really <laughs> so he's 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 worked on both a short film featuring john hader as a napoleon-like character before and then he's also created a cartoon based on the film as well so it seems to be the one thing that's really worked in in their career but I think Idaho actually passed a bill praising the directors for making the film, citing uh, amongst their reasons that uh, the Preston High School administration staff, but particularly the cafeteria staff, have enjoyed the worldwide attention because Tater Tots, featuring prominently in the film, has promoted Idaho's most famous export. <laughs> Another fact to, to relate it to um, Buffalo 66 is that Vincent Gallo was considered and almost cast as Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite, uh, but it obviously went to someone else. But that would have been yeah, weird. I'm glad. Vincent Gallo in <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. Glad, yeah. That would have been ridiculous. I can't um, even imagine it. <laughs> is, is, is he the uncle that's like always... Always just eating steak. Always and eating just steak, saying yeah. he could have been, He could have made it pro. Yeah, just a classic uncle. Yeah. <laughs> really. Looking into Jared and Jerusha Hess, it looks like they peaked with this, a bit like uh, Ruben Fleischer did. Um, a little bit. I think, did they do Nacho Libre? <laughs> um, yeah. It's the only one I can really see that I know of. Um, yeah, Nacho Libre is the, the only other one that did, did okay. I didn't really like it when I watched it. it. It's a bit. It's just a strange role seeing Jack Black in in that role. Really, it's it's bizarre, but yeah, it's definitely worth worth watching again. I think because it has gained some some popularity naturally. But Napoleon Dynamite, I think, is just a classic film. I just I just love it. It's, just it's definitely funny. a cult. It's definitely got a, a big, strong sort of cult following, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, I like the look of Napoleon Dynamite. I've always quite liked the look of it. I think it influenced a lot of films like Juno. Um, and uh, what's the other one with Michael Sarah? The, uh, the Youth and Revolt. Oh, For yeah. some reason, I, yeah, I, can, I can imagine those sort of films are sort of maybe um, influenced on Napoleon Dynamite. You definitely do like a triple bill and maybe even like Drill Bit Taylor <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, sort of. something like that, yeah. <laughs> That's a bit more like Superbad though. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. You could definitely watch them all together, those films. They are they are definitely have a similar style or like coming-of-age films, but Napoleon Dynamite is just the most out there one i think which is why i think it clicked me because it's just i don't know just mad characters all the way through. yeah and loads of little weird scenes of which is obviously why i like david lynch people are like just putting weird random scenes with random looking people in it and you know i like uh you know I like tim and eric and all that yeah. stuff and they, they do all that stuff so it's right up my alley <laughs> napoleon dynamite they made shit loads on this film as well the budget was 400 grand and they made 46 million on it that is pretty mental yeah. <laughs> I, I even remember it was in you know those really rubbish Films like came after Scary Movie, like not another team movie and all that. Yeah, I know that. I think it was Epic Movie had someone being Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, I remember like, that. in it. I was just to see that. Were you? Did you Epic Movie? <laughs> yeah, I think a few of us went from school. Yeah, it was awful. Um, I'm pretty sure like Britney Spears or someone got squashed by a, a meteor in that film. Yeah, I barely remember it. Went had rabies. They were feral. Yeah, yeah. And Kevin Hart's in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kim Kardashian, I think. <laughs> Very you to get squashed by a meteor. I can't remember. It might be, yeah. Or definitely does anyway. Awful. My number two um, is American Beauty by Sam Mendes. So for a man who directed one of the more memorable uh, and also probably the most forgettable James Bond film, uh, no one could dispute the genius of his first directorial feature. The fact that this movie won Best Picture um, yeah. takes the meaning of beginner's luck to a completely different level. You're going to like this. I'm going to use the, the word here. The use <laughs> of, is it mise-en-scene? 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, it's it's quite clear and 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 it's, it's effective throughout this film. Um, there's a scene I can think of specifically in my mind, uh, and Kevin Spacey's character's sat opposite his boss, and it looks like he's the chair's just sat in the middle of like a massive empty room. Um, I think he, he quits. But anyway, it, in that sort of scene, you can sort of, I don't know, it, it's like it's on, on stage, like a, like a play sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think there's quite a lot of that goes on in this film. Yeah, so the change in the character's appearances uh, are used to reveal like, their motivation in the narrative. I also like the, the use of the colour red. Uh, it's very prominent. It's used to represent love and death, which are the two main themes of this film. Um, it's all topped off with, with some great acting as well. I think yeah. everybody in this gives a stellar performance unfortunately the film's been a little bit tainted now um (laughs) but that shouldn't take away from sam mendez's sort of directorial achievement because i still think that this film i think it's been clouded now but it's it still holds up as a very good film yeah i'd say so i haven't haven't watched it for a while but when i last watched it it was before all the stuff came out about kevin spacey i haven't haven't watched it since yeah it's weird isn't it it's hard like with baby driver literally do you remember we watched baby driver it was a day or two before all that stuff came out we watched it in the cinema and i was like thank god for that otherwise i would have had a really weird time watching that film yeah Um, it was as well but it was literally a few days (laughs) it's not necessarily kevin spacey films it's more yeah. maybe this film because he plays yeah. a dad who sort of is tempted to have a relationship with a, a minor. It's yeah, it's dodgy, isn't <laughs> it's it? It's a bit too close to home, isn't it? But yeah, it's all a bit mad when you look back on that film. It is. I can imagine it would be very difficult to watch now. Sam Mendes, obviously, I said that he did um, a couple of James Bond films. He did Skyfall and Spectre. I think there were two in a row. I'm not sure oh, if right. in between it. Skyfall. A lot of people, it's in the 1001 list, basically. It is a very good Bond film. Yeah. Um, and Inspector, I think I've seen it once um, in the cinema, and I don't think I'll ever probably watch it again. I got to the bit where the Day of the Dead thing sort of <laughs> came to a halt, and I went, I can't be bothered with this. That's yeah. as far as I got. No, what makes, why does why do people say Skyfall is the best modern one, then? What was, is there a reason? So it's just the story and the, the plot yeah, points. And it's the a very full beats. story. It's a very good villain in uh, Javier Bardem. You sort of see a bit more of a, a ruthless side of James Bond in it as well, which is quite good. With Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, they completely tore away from the previous James Bond films and uh, they rebooted the series, I know that, but they sort of ignored that they ever sort of... There, was, there wasn't any references or any clear references to any of the previous ones, really. Yeah. Whereas this one, they started chucking a few more easter eggs in but in it, it it wasn't too on the nose like they brought back his aston martin db5 they sort of did a yeah, backstory yeah. into bond as well he went to you sort of learn that he's an orphan um they go to like his childhood home and stuff like that and um it's also the one spoiler alert where m dies um yeah big moment but, yeah, but no, it is, it is, and it's a very good standalone film. So if ever you do fancy just watching a good film, then yeah, I'd, I'd, it's I'd a complete could, story, isn't it? I'd really? recommend that to people. Yeah, you don't have to watch anything before or after it. Yeah, I, I remember liking Skyfall quite a bit. Didn't like Quantum of Solace when we, when me and you went to see that in the cinema. Though. I remember just being bored out my did brain. Did you see it? Yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember that. That's how much you cherish our friendship. You don't remember these things. Disgusting. Yeah. So I'll go with my last pick then the, my number one pick if you want me to call it that even though they are all equal and i'm gonna keep saying that no calm's number one all right this isn't this isn't equal this is the better film and it's a razor head yeah i'm talking about david lynch again I was sorry about to say that you, you just talked about bond. James bond yeah <laughs> you led me into that then so you could i did david lynch away yeah to, to lessen lessen the blow yeah uh, 
Yes. Plus in the blue um, felt. Get rid. Very good. No, that's fine. But I'll, I will promise to stop talking about David Lynch one day. I think I've covered a lot of his films. I don't think I've sp- spoken about um, Razorhead yet, though. Um, but I can't think of another sort of debut film that baffled me as much as this, much like most of his films, really. But it was one of the early David Lynch films I watched. I think I watched Blue Velvet, then this. So I really went headfirst into the like the deep end, really. So you can see all of the sort of the tropes that we come to expect in this film, like the surreal behaviour of the characters. There's a scene where the main character meets the parents of the of the girl he's going out with, and they're a bit like the the parents in Buffalo '66 in a way. They're just absolutely bizarre, but but much more bizarre actually. Right. There's a, like a chicken that dances around that's on the table is mad. Um, there's like sudden horror, like we talked about in the Mulholland Drive episode, you know, with the tramp and all that stuff yeah. um, that just comes out. Now, otherworldly characters. So there's a character called the Lady in the Radiator and the baby itself. I'm, not, I'm sure you've probably seen pictures of the, the baby from a razor baby. head. Yeah, the little lamb baby thing. I don't know what it's meant to be. but And the enigmatic plot that just leaves you searching for an explanation, really. So all of these aspects together make it one of his mo- most like dreamlike and intense movies, I'd say. And it is... Yeah. Considering it's his first one, he really gets everything out, you know, that you'd expect from David Lynch now uh, into his first one. So he's always had the same sort of, you know, vision with all his films and kept to it, really. But he obviously refuses to say anything about what the film is about. But apparently, the main plot of a man and a deformed baby is based on his own fears of fatherhood when his child was born with clubbed feet. So he sort of had a bit of a worry about that. Um, and he also said the tone was also shaped by his time of living in Philadelphia and in like a troubled neighborhood. He said he spent him and his family spent years living in of an atmosphere of violence, hate, and filth. He said, um, and he said the area is rife with crime, inspiring the bleak urban backdrop of the film. Um, he said he saw so many things in Philadelphia that he couldn't believe. He saw a grown woman grab her breasts and speak like a baby, complaining that her nipples hurt. And then he said that this kind of thing will set you back. <laughs> Um, that's what he said. So that's probably <laughs> added a bit of an effect on him and why he's a bit of an odd man. But yeah. um, I know that Stanley Kubrick also showed a razor head to the cast of The Shining to get them in the mood to film a horror film as well. Oh, that's that's a good fact. Yeah, I, do, I, I definitely do need to watch a razor head. Was you it do? the one you said to watch to not ease you into David Lynch? There's no such thing, but. Um, uh, I think that was more Blue Velvet, really, because that's that was the Blue most. Velvet. The, other than like the straight, st- I, well, Elephant Man was probably Elephant the best Man one, wasn't very David Lynchish, was it? It wasn't, but there are elements of it. Um, I'd say the least one is a film, a film called The Straight Story about an old man going across the country on a lawnmower, <laughs> and that's literally not. You wouldn't think it was David Lynch. That it's like a I don't know, like a sort of a Spielberg type film. Right, you'd probably like that one. Um, and then Elephant Man's probably the next most normal. Then maybe if you want a bit more, you know, Lynch stuff, it'll probably be Blue Velvet or The Wild at Heart with Nicolas Cage. I'd Wild say Wild at Heart with Amanda Holden. No, but that would be bizarre. <laughs> directed yeah, by David Lynch. Duke see on a yeah. lawnmower through Africa. Cult films on video. One of the strangest films in recent years seems to be running strongly around the country, and its title is Eraserhead. This was the first work by David Lynch. He went on to make Elephant Man, Dune, and the controversial new film Blue Velvet. Eraserhead is weirder than all three of those films put together. I think I've almost run out of David Lynch films to talk about, so I will shut yeah. up about him soon, unless I can find some weird way to put him into any conversation like I usually do. Like you and Bond. Yeah, I do talk about Bond a lot, even though I very rarely watch Bond films. So my number one, then, um, is Hereditary. 
uh, by Ariaster. Not only does Ariaster have a name that sounds like a, a Greek mythological god, um, he could also yeah. be the pick of the litter um, when it comes to the current new wave of directors. Um, he's only got three movies under his belt at the moment, but he's already established himself as the king of unsettling movies. The jury's out with uh, on Bo is Afraid, um, but having seen both Hereditary and Midsommar in the cinema, I can confirm that these are not films that you will rush back to see. Um, that's not a criticism in the slightest. Um, Ariasta has a way of scaring the shit out of even the most hardened horror movie buffs, um, with his uneasy tones and meticulous attention to detail. Um, but what I did like most about Hereditary, though, was the dollhouse aesthetic of the family home. Yeah. It added another level of claustrophobia uh, and the feeling of, of like nowhere to go. It also tied in with, obviously, the mother being... Um, She's like an architect, and she a model architect. Yeah, yeah. The, the film also has you looking in the background constantly. You're waiting to see like a ghostly figure or a reflection or a creaking door opening or something. Um, but I do think uh, it, as, as, as first films go, this is as solid as you can get uh, for a director, which was then followed up brilliantly with Midsommar, uh, which is yeah. a film I've not seen since I watched in the cinema and don't know <laughs> if I can. Um, yeah. I do look forward to seeing what comes in the future. Bo was afraid I will watch as well at some point. But yeah, I'm 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 quite excited by Ariaster. Yeah, I agree with you. I've only watched Hereditary and Midsummer once each as well. So I don't know. I'm scared. I'm just too scared to go back to them. Really, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. And, and I don't know any other sort of director who has more than one film where I've heard people say, "I don't think I can watch it again." I know it's bizarre, isn't it? It's just the imagery and the way he places things in in scenes as well. Yeah, like in Hereditary. I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but the, you remember the bit with the corner of the room in the dark. Yeah, um, the, towards the end. Yeah, but also the um, was it her mother's her mother? You could see her in the room. Yeah, behind it. Oh yeah, right. That's really yeah. early on in the film. So that's the first thing you're like, oh Jesus, what the hell's that? But it really catches you off guard. Both those films, you're constantly looking behind the characters. Yeah. And I know a lot of paranormal films do it, but this more than most. But it doesn't overdo it. It probably does it like once, maybe twice in the film. But because it does it early on, you're then looking for it. Yeah, I think, yeah, he did that on purpose, didn't he? To, to make you paranoid the whole way yeah. through, really, because, um, yeah. But, it, yeah, I, I think Hereditary is... is it could. I think I'd put it up there with maybe some of the best horror films I've ever seen. I don't really get scared by horror films, really, for some reason. I just, I just don't really. I like them a lot. I, I watch a lot of them, but I just don't feel the fear sometimes. But that Hereditary really did, yeah, mess with me. I was like slept with the light on. I think that night when when I saw it. But yeah, it's, and there's not really any jump scares in it, is there? Really, it's more like I don't know uneasiness, like eeriness, sort of dread building all the yeah. way through, isn't it? Really, same with Midsummer, and it's one of those and it's quite close to home it's always scared me especially when i was a kid the idea of your your parents coming sort of possessed or something yeah no that film is yeah it's it's fucking scary yeah it is so it's midsummer that bit with the uh the bit that stuck out to me that i didn't realize at the time was the where they pass a bush and then when you go back you can see the outline of the sister's face in the bush yeah no, I, I know. Hate that. I hate that fact. Well. That really creeps me out when I yeah. realise that. 
that uh, well the whole the, the sister thing at the start freaks me oh, out yeah. And then you, yeah when you can see it later on yeah that's ho- absolutely horrible uh, and also the people jumping off the cliff yeah that's mad isn't it just oh, bizarre yeah just really strange I think strange just creeps you out doesn't it it's like uneasiness it's just, that's what I mean he's, he's the king of like unsettling you I mean even before he did his debut feature his short films were really horrible as well yeah <laughs> I think we talked about one wasn't there something wrong with the Johnsons or something yeah that's probably one of the most messed up things I've ever seen. Really, it's it's awful. I do want to uh, watch it, but I don't know. What, I don't know when is ever fitting to watch any of these sort of things. It yeah, it's, it's about family relationships in more ways than one. I'll say, Oof, right. uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's that's my top three. <laughs> Ended on a sour note, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, that's uh, yeah, good top three. Yeah, all round. Have you got any honourable mentions you'd like to go through? Yes, we made it. A couple that we've done already: um, Submarine and Donnie Darko. Yeah, uh, were first time, um, first time ones. Moon. Yeah. Um, Boys in the Hood, a good film. If you've not seen that, I haven't um, actually. Yeah, that's a good one. Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, Get Out, and then. The, the classic <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. You're going to make a joke then about getting out. Yeah, I was just going to get up and leave then. <laughs> I cut you off. Thanks yeah, you did. <laughs> um, yeah, get out. He, he's in John Peel, even though he's a bit older. I think he's a bit older than Ari Aster and the other guys. He's sort of lumped in with those yeah. horror filmmakers, isn't he? Like, because The Witch made my honourable mentions, and that's the other guy, Robert Eggers, yeah. uh, who made that, because um, that's pretty good as a, as a debut. And film, then I'd say. Nope as well was was that was a very Marmite film. I loved it. I thought Nope was great. Uh, Chelsea really disliked it. I'm, I'm sure a few, a few of the people I spoke to really just didn't get yeah. it at all. I I thought it was really good. Yeah, um, I liked that, the bit when they're like in the house and all the shit's pouring back down on it. Yeah, it's, I think the, he really went for like the Spielberg side of things in there. I think he's mentioned that a few times, and it is like a Steven Spielberg film, really. I think. Yeah. The way it is, it's that monkey bit is a bit like with Ariasta, it creeps me out. I don't know, just I don't know, it just comes out of nowhere at the beginning, and it really a bit like at the beginning of Hereditary. You're like, oh, the hell, it like makes you feel uneasy the whole time again. Like, what was that monkey doing? <laughs> yeah, that do you remember when um, that happened? I'm learning real life school, well. here right in school, Travis, yeah, school, yeah, Travis, yeah, a phone call where you hear a screaming in the background and the chimp going mad. Yeah, it's horrible. They shot it. This is why we shouldn't have wild animals. Yeah, they should ne- never keep a chimp. No. I saw something the other day, this is going completely off topic, um, but you mentioned <laughs> Spielberg. Spielberg was being interviewed the other day, and someone said to him, your mother was a musician, and your father was an electrical engineer, and if the aliens came down, how would they communicate? Oh yeah, I think I've seen that. Yeah, and I thought yeah. that was really clever, because and obviously... In Close Encounters, Close Encounters yeah. he uses electrical music, doesn't he? Yeah, so he, and I don't think he realised, did he? Like, oh, yeah. clicked at that point. It was like, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> subconsciously, yeah, he, his, his parents were the ones that were communicating, which I thought was really clever. Um, yeah. Have you seen the Fablemans yet? No. That, well, you Have learn you more about them. At, yeah. Oh, I thought you were waiting for me. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, it's good. I watch that. But anyway, never mind. Sorry. Get then. No, just I'll watch it it's good yeah, you'd like that film. No, I definitely will any more honourable mentions from yourself uh, no more honourable mentions did you have any I had a few yeah That I, you mentioned a few of mine so I had Donnie Darko and Reservoir Dogs obviously but 
Um, the Coen Brothers' first film called Blood Simple is, is quite good, and it mm-hmm. sort of shows, as I said with David Lynch, the what they're going to go on to do with all the mm-hmm. noir sort of stuff, um, amongst other things. Wes Anderson's first film is the least Wes Anderson film out of them all, but there are moments in it with the the just daft, like really dry humour. There's one of the funniest scenes ever in that film, I think, from a Wes Anderson film where they're, yeah, I know you haven't seen it, but they're doing like a heist at the end and this fella get, gets left alone in a room to do something, like, un, un, like try and get a safe open or something. So you leave him for a bit and then he comes back and he's just sitting on the set seat watching TV because he could he couldn't work out how to do it. <laughs> what are you doing? And he just sat there, which really made me laugh. I don't know. I don't think anyone will remember that from that film, but it really made me laugh when I watched it. Paul Thomas Anderson's first film, Hard Eight, is is good. It's got John C. Riley in. Um and Gwyneth Paltrow from I remember. It's like a casino type film. Uh Slacker, which is Richard Linklater's sort of his first film. He also had another one. Um but that's the sort of his official one, I think. And it's it's quite clever. He, a lot of these first films it, it, like do sort of gimmicks, don't they? Yeah. Like, uh, And that one's just like meant to look like one shot all the way through it, that slacker. Right. Um, so that's with that. I mentioned The Witch. Um, I'll just go through. I don't need to mention many more. Being John Malkovich by Spike Johns is, is quite an impressive one because of all the mad stuff that he has to pull off in that film, like going into someone's head puppets and all that going into like all the set design of all the have you seen being john markovich no but i know it's quite like and well from what i've seen of it clips of it and stuff it's quite an ambitious first film isn't it yeah and yeah it's really good i think he got nominated for a few things um and sexy beast i thought was a good one as well uh, for a first film yeah um do you know i obviously i use sam mendes in american beauty and he won best picture for that yeah do you reckon there's many people that won Best Picture for their first directorial film. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure, really. I'm trying to think if there's that's any quite an achievement, numbers. isn't it, really? Because yeah. there's, there's still actors out there. That, that, sorry, there's still, um, like, Tarantino's never had a Best Picture, has he? No, no, no. He's had Best Screenplay, I think. And, like, some of his actors have won, but I don't think he's had a Best Picture now. No, but you can do you can go through your whole career uh, and never get any, in, and you get it in your first one. It's like getting a hat trick on your first game, isn't it? This Friday we'll be releasing La La Land, so to go hand in hand with La La Land, um, we'll be doing a top three frequent acting partnerships. We're going to try and think of a, a more jazzy way of saying that. Yeah, um, jazzy. <laughs> I get week. it. I get it. Jazzy. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, obviously because Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling are in more than well at least three films together, um, we're going to have a look to see if we can deep dive into. Over. Looking to see our other partnerships. Yeah, and are we doing so? It, could, it doesn't have to be a man and a woman. It can be two men. It can be two women. It can be you know. And, yeah, it could be a comedy duo for all you like. Oh, there we go. That's good then, isn't it? So, um, just basically, actors have appeared in a few films together, and we we think they work well together as a as a duo. Yeah, yeah, and it can't be Anton Deck in that Alien. Ah. Um, what's the stipulation then? Do they have to be in more than three films together, or three films at least? Um, so I'd say I'd say minimum of three. Okay. Because otherwise, we just list off loads of people that are in Quentin Tarantino's films or Wes Anderson yeah, films. Or, yeah, true. Do they have anyway. to share a scene together in the film as well? Should we say? Yes. They have to be acting with each other. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's fair enough. One. Lovely. Uh, also, though, with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, is in those three films, they're in relationships in it. The love interest with each other, so Hollywood just wanted them together, but he was he was with Eva Mendes and she was with Andrew Garfield, and he's still with Eva Mendes. Good on him. Yeah, fair play to him. 